All right, are we on here? Ready to rock and roll? My goodness. Who would have ever thought I'd be up here preaching to y'all? Don't answer that. Don't answer that. Uh, but no, I'm really, really excited to be here today and share with you what God has placed on my heart. I honestly, I can't even begin to describe how much this church means to me. I, I'll get emotional talking about it, but I get, I'm looking out here and I see plenty of faces and people that have invested in me uh, when I was a little kid. It's crazy. I dropped Micah off in the nursery. He's this tall and he went to go be with Miss Jeannie and Miss Jeannie actually watched me. Uh, but that's when the nursery is back over here and y'all have completely changed this church and, uh, and it's awesome, it's awesome, awesome. Uh, but uh, man, from Dennis to uh, and Susan, to Betty, to the Greens, uh, to the Boyds, to my parents, man, y'all, are, y'all have a part in this too. I appreciate y'all. Uh, and so uh, I'm just thankful for y'all, really, really am. But uh, I'm excited to share with you what God has placed on my heart. Dennis reached out to me um, about two months ago. He texted me. And he said, Greg, would you be open and available to preaching December 3rd? I, 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 I was actually in the middle of my devotional whenever he was uh, reaching out to me. And I thought about it, prayed about it. I said, man, let's, let, let's do it. So I was really, really excited about that. It was about a month later that I thought to myself, I, I wonder if Dennis and Nathan and Matthew will even be there. I just assumed that they'd be on vacation or something. They just wanted me to come and preach. And I figured Dennis would be out, you know, taking pictures of animals or shooting animals or <laughs> taking pictures with those dead animals. You know, I didn't know which, I didn't know what he would be doing, but I'm thankful that he's here and I'm excited uh, about that. So I figured uh, that this is going to be a great day. And then he gave me the topic, which is uh, peace in the storms. So let me ask you this. How many of you have experienced struggles or a tough time in your life? Raise your hand. Any of y'all? Yeah. Uh, if you were to be transparent, how many of you right now are maybe in a tough season where you're just like, man, I, I can't shake what's going on. The external circumstances are not changing no matter what I do. We've probably been there. And if you haven't been in one of those two places, I can assure you at some case, some point in your life, you will experience a storm at some point. And so what we're going to talk about today is peace in the storms. That's the title. I want you to notice that the word storm is plural, not just a storm, but storms. And so how do we really gravitate uh, to Christ in those times so we can experience the peace that only he can bring. And so that's what we're going to discuss today. Uh, what I want to do is I want to show you a few pictures uh, that when I look at them, I think of peace. Uh, this is, let me see here. We're going to turn this on. It'd probably be better if I turned it on, right? Um, this is a picture of uh, whenever my wife and I used to travel. Boy, we ain't done that in a while. But uh, we have three beautiful children that have kept us from doing that. But uh, this is actually when we were actually in Whistler, Canada. We were out and we just took a picture and we looked at that. And I remember her telling me, man, this is just so peaceful. And it really, really was. Uh, here's another picture of us having dinner. That is the city of Seattle. And so we got to Seattle. We had a nice dinner. We are looking out over Seattle and we said these words. We said, man, this is just so peaceful, so nice. This is a picture of her and I when we went to uh, Maine in New Hampshire. So we're just walking down the coast. We asked somebody to take a picture of us and we were watching the waves crash onto the shore. We were really the only ones that were out there at that case in point and it was just so peaceful. And this is actually uh, a picture of us with some of the uh, locals in Indonesia. So the, in December of 2019, we went to Indonesia and uh, experienced just a phenomenal trip. 
And there were countless times in that trip that we said, man, this is just such a peaceful time. We don't want this time to end. Now, now, let me show you a few of the pictures of uh, what we're dealing with now. Now, (laughs) this is uh, our lives. This is uh, our daughter, two daughters. We have Savannah and Prescott. Uh, They thought it would be good to go into our room, grab the powder, go into the playroom. I walk into the playroom and this is literally what I saw. This was about a year ago. I'm still finding powder in this room to this day. And so uh, that's what we're dealing with there. Uh, This is a picture of my wife and I at Colvines, which we love their pizza. We took our kids and we went there and it was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, But our kids were terrors in Colvines. In fact, we left Colvines and we literally said to each other, we're never taking them to a restaurant again, ever. Like this is the final time, we're never taking them again, we're not going. Um, And this is me about a year ago, just giving up, just saying, I don't know what I'm doing. Prescott is consoling me. And Savannah is doing what she normally does, which is just doing what she does is eat and not worry about me, right? So uh, that is our life now. So we saw four pictures of uh, peaceful times, right? And then we see these three pictures of what our current life is like right now. And there's definitely a delta between the two, right? There's definitely a delta between the two and the experience between the two. Uh, But what we're gonna discuss today is how we can have peace within both of these circumstances. Uh, And this is something that my wife tells me once a week. How many of you have ever said this? All I want is some peace and quiet. Can you just give that to me? Have you all said that? I know my parents said that to me countless times. Uh, And we are saying this to our kids. All I want is some peace and quiet. And so what we're gonna talk today, uh, today about is peace how to really experience peace and the difference between biblical peace and worldly peace. And is there a difference? And I believe that there is. And at the conclusion of today, my hope is that we, myself included, will have a better understanding and a reminder of that. One of the things I wanna share with you today is biblical peace does not promise the absence of problems. It promises the presence of God. So we're gonna start there because what society and the world would tell you is in order to have peace, you gotta fix the external circumstances. And those will determine your inner peace. But as we're gonna look into scripture, we're gonna see that that's not the case, right? And Jesus has a different way of of peace and how he expresses that. And so to kind of catch you up where we're gonna be at today, we're gonna be in the book of John chapter 14. Wanna kind of give you a heads up on where we're at up to this case in point. So the disciples have been doing life with Jesus for an extended period of time, right? And so they've been walking with him, doing life with him, seeing him do miracles and all these various things. We're getting to the point now where Jesus, which he always knew was going to leave, he's, he's conveying to them this message, right? And he's conveying to them, hey, I'm not gonna be with you much longer. Things are about to change. This day-to-day thing that you see me and I see you and we're doing life with you, this is all about to change. And so these disciples are trying to identify what is really about to occur and what is really about to happen. And they're getting worried and they're getting fearful and they're troubled about what their circumstances are about to have happen. And so let's go ahead and read here in John chapter 14, 25 through 26. He says, I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. Now this is Jesus speaking to the disciples, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name will teach you all the things and remind you of everything I have told you. Now, I highlighted a few things here that I want us to focus on here. Jesus says, I, while I remain with you, 
Now, this is the key point here. He's saying, I'm about to depart while I remain with you. But what's so ironic, and if you want to, I would encourage you, one of my favorite chapters in all the scriptures is John chapter 15. John chapter 15, he, Jesus is expressing to the people and the disciples about remaining in him. He's talking about he's the vine and he's the branches. In verses number one through eight, he uses, if you're the CSB version, he uses one word eight times within eight different verses. And that word is remain. So what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, while I remain with you, while I'm here with you, uh, I, I'm gonna go ahead and make sure that you understand that though I may leave, I'm still gonna be here with you because I'm sending a helper. I'm sending the Holy Spirit that is gonna sit here and help you and be with you through these tough times. And then he says, I will teach you, that will teach you and remind you. Now, for those of us that are disciples of Jesus, that is a student, right? And so we got to understand, he said, we gotta be teachable. One of the things that, that God cannot work with is pride, can't. In fact, he hates it. In Proverbs, he says, one of the things that's detestable to him, he hates it. And so we must be humble, teachable disciples so we can understand what God is trying to do within our lives. Does that make sense? And the second thing is he says, I remind you. Now, the reason why he says remind you is because he's saying, you're going to forget. These disciples are going to forget. So I want to remind you. And I think this is the same thing that he's conveying to us today. So there may be some of us in this room that know that yes, God can provide peace, but can he really in this circumstance? Well, I believe John chapter 14, 25 to 26 is an example of saying, hey, I'm going to remind you that the Holy Spirit is still here with you. And yes, God can still provide peace. Uh, John 14, 27, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. Now, the one thing I love here about this verse is this. Jesus is drawing a line in the sand. And he does this throughout scripture. In fact, when the Sermon on the Mount, if you look, there's two uh, opportunities, the world's way and his way, God's kingdom and the world's way. And so here's what he's doing here. He's saying, listen, the world can give you peace. It will provide you peace, but it's not gonna give you peace like I can give you. And so you have a choice to make. And I love the fact that Jesus is just so upfront because he loves us enough to give us choice, right? If Jesus just forced us, that's not loved. He, has, he gives us a choice. And he's so upfront about the two outcomes of those choices what the world will provide and what he will provide. And he's doing that here again right now. And he's saying, I give you a peace that the world cannot give you. So you don't need to be fearful and you don't need to be troubled. And so really what he's doing here is here, here's, the, here's the line of the same, godly peace versus worldly peace. Now, this is easy for us to sit here and talk about right now when things are going good and we're all on the same team and we're in agreement that God can provide peace. But when you're in those tough circumstances, when they occur, when they happen, will we default to our foundation, which should be Christ as opposed to the world and culture, right? Because if you sit here and you Googled, and I did when I was searching for this, ways for peace, do you know how many things I found that were counter to Christ? There was a ton. It was, it was all about you, do buy stuff for yourself, love yourself. Uh, maybe if you just meditate, time on your own, all these various things that are counter to what Jesus is about to express that only the peace that he can bring. And so I wanna make sure that we don't deviate in those times that we savor and gravitate towards Christ. You see, peace is in uh, internal stability in spite of external circumstances because of the knowing that God is in control. So here's the thing, whether you believe God's in control or not is not the determining factor that he still is. Does that make sense? So if you don't think that he's in control, that doesn't make him less in control. That just makes you not have the source that can get you through the things that he's maybe allowing to occur because he's trying to draw you closer towards him. 
So God's always in control. Whether we understand that or not is the determining factor of the fulfillment that we can sit here and have. So I wanna be very clear here that God is still in control. In the various times that you may be going through, which we're gonna discuss a few here in just a second that are personal to me, uh, and maybe some that you have gone through as well, but God's word is still true. God still is alive and God still provides peace. No different than he told the disciples, hey, I'm gonna leave you with peace. He's leaving that for us as well. And we had that opportunity and availability to experience that. Uh, John chapter 14, 28 says, you have heard me tell you I am going away. So Jesus is telling him, telling them I'm going away. Now they haven't been able to really decipher like where is he going? Is he coming back? Is he coming back now? Is he coming back next week? They're not really putting this all together. They're not understanding that they're actually walking with God the entire time. They haven't been able to put that together. So he's telling them, I'm gonna go away and I'm coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. So what he's expressing to them, he said, I'm going away. I'm going away to be with the Father. And earlier on in this chapter, Thomas asked him, well, how do we even know where we need to sit here and go? And there's a famous verse that I'll discuss here in a second that he actually answers them with. But again, they're still trying to figure that out. And then he says, I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you may believe. So Jesus is telling them, hey, you're gonna come up on tough times. I am going to leave. And so I'm trying to help you build a foundation so that when that does occur, you'll default to me and not culture. You'll default to me and not the things that you think that you need to sit here and have in order to get through the circumstance that I allowed to occur. And so it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And that's what he's telling the disciples that I've told you before it happens, because it's gonna happen. And when it does happen, I want you to believe. And I think that's the same thing that we need to be reminded of today. It's not if a tough circumstance happens, not if uh, a situation occurs that we cannot fix, but when that happens, what will we default to? Will we default to what Jesus has said or will we default to what we think we need to do? Uh, three areas that only God can provide peace in and will happen at some point. So I'm gonna give three specific areas that have happened in my life that I know that have happened in your lives that when they did, I thought to myself, how, how can peace be within this situation? Uh, one of them is my grandmother. And so that is, uh, that is Bianca and myself. And so only God can provide peace in loss. How many of y'all experienced loss before? We all have, right? We want to talk about a hopeless feeling, right? You want to talk about a feeling of like, how, how does this happen? And so my grandmother, unfortunately, she uh, hurt her hip. And it was supposed to be just like a regular routine surgery. They were going to go in, surgery, everything's going to be fine. And and my wife and I, we actually went to, um, uh, we went to Lake Tahoe right afterwards. We didn't know if we needed to or not, but we thought it was gonna be a routine thing. And we went and we kept on getting calls and it, it, it was just not going good. And really what happened is just spiraled out of control. And, and unfortunately she passed away. I remember uh, during that time, uh, I came to the conclusion for myself and our family did, we're just gonna lean on Christ. We're gonna have an opportunity to choose Christ or choose the world's way. And so what I started is to seek him, right? And understand what did, what, how did all this happen and why did all this happen? A few things that came to mind. First and foremost, that, and that he expressed to me, first and foremost was that, that peace can still occur in loss. If I sit here and seek Christ, and only he can provide that. He already expressed to the disciples and he's expressed to me, I give you a peace that the world can't give. See, the world would sit here and say, this situation has to look like this in order for you to experience peace. Well, we're in a situation that, it wasn't going to change. 
my, my grandmother passed away and she wasn't coming back. So it's not like that could change, right? But the opportunity for peace was still available for us. And so the, the peace that God gave us during that time was only something that he could say and bring. The, n- number two, number two was uh, before my grandmother was uh, my grandmother or a great grandmother or uh, a wife or all the roles that she had before any of those things, she was God's daughter. And so during that time, whenever I was just really praying about that, God was revealing to me, Greg, I didn't take back something that was yours. I took back something that was already mine that I allowed you to have for a short stint. And so she's in a better place. And so that brings me to number three. We prayed for healing. That's what we wanted. We wanted her to be healed. And what we often do at times, and I, get, and I struggle with this as well, we will present a request to God, we will pray, and then we will give God the answer on how we want that to be done, right? And then what we'll sit here and do is when that occurs, we're like, yep, God's faithful. He, he did everything that I asked. And when he does, then you're like, God's broken. He didn't listen to me. Well, the reality of it is we were praying for her to be healed. And when you really think about it, he answered that. He did that. I mean, she's in a place right now that we all want to be, right? And so the reality of it is, is in loss, peace is still available to those that put their faith in Christ. And so we had the opportunity to exhibit that or we had an opportunity to drift from that. And I'm thankful that we uh, leaned in towards that. Uh, This is a video. Pay attention here. This is just a regular night at our house. Yeah. For any of those that don't know me, I'm a, uh, I've never been tested, but I know I have OCD. I know I do. There's no doubt in my mind. And I probably have ADD too. But I will tell you, uh, every night, I don't know if you know this or not, that's the living room, not the playroom. I tell them that every night. And they will take their toys. Oh my goodness, they dump them by the loads in our living room. And I just recorded this this uh, week because only God can provide peace and chaos. Now we look at this, right? And we're laughing about it. But I tell you this, uh, Bianca and I, there's various things that our girls do and our son does. Like this morning, trying to get ready to come to church. It is an event <laughs> to get them all ready. There's a lot of yelling. There's a lot of wanting to yell. There's a lot of get, do this, do this, do that. And one of the things that Bianca tells, uh, told me, that was about a few weeks ago, just in her infinite wisdom, she goes, Greg, they're kids. They're not going to do what we want them to do when we want them to do it and how we want them to do it. If we think that we're only going to experience peace when they do what we want them to do, we'll never experience it, ever. And so she said, the only way that we can actually experience that is if we lean on Christ, lean on each other during these times, And we can actually find joy in this situation as opposed to we need to fix this situation so it can look like we want it to look so we can have the peace that we think that we want to have. Does that make sense? And so for us, we want to sit here and be moms and dads and and, and a family that really understands that. Now I say that we struggle with that. We're going to struggle with that today. I promise you tonight, six o'clock, that bucket of toys is going to come out right before the Sunday night football game. And I'm telling you, I'm going to be reminded of this and have the opportunity to choose that because when I really look at that, there's a ton of people and we've unfortunately uh, have done life with some people that had some trouble having kids. 
right? And so I look at that and I'm thinking, but there would be people that would die to be in our situation. They would do anything that they possibly could to be in our situation. So who am I to sit here and try to critique what most people would love to be in, right? And so I, I got to understand that God can provide peace in chaos. Uh, and the other is only God can provide peace in hard times. So I used to work at the Greater Killer Chamber of Commerce. I was there for about nine years. I loved it. Dennis Surratt actually uh, hired me on well, now it was 12 years ago, and I really appreciate that, man. It gave me an opportunity to grow professionally, grow spiritually, all these various things. Well, I had this idea that I was going to leave the chamber in a certain way. I had an idea that it was going to look like this, and, and, and the reality of it was there were some things that were done and said that it didn't end the way that I wanted it to end. It didn't end on my time. It didn't end the way I wanted it to, and quite honestly, it was unfair, unjust, and it hurt. And it really, really hurt. That, that was a time that I really thought to myself, like, how can good come from this? How in the world can good for it? And at this case in point, I was four years uh, uh, after I gave my life to Christ. This was about four years after that, that I really started to pivot my focus and perspective on why I was doing what I was doing. And I really looked at the, the, the chamber as an opportunity to be a mission field. Now I'm thinking to myself, man, God, I'm finally doing everything you've asked me to do. Are you gonna take this from me? Like, this doesn't make any sense. But two things during that time that God showed me is number one, I'm not in control. I'm not in control. And number two is, Greg, you need to have a compassion and heart for people. And it's very easy to do that when everything's going good and everybody's giving you a pat on the back. But when somebody does something to you that's counter to what you think should be done, what will you respond like? Will you respond in compassion and mercy like I've called you to? Or you try to have control of a situation that I'm actually trying to take you out of for your good and my kingdom? Which one are you gonna choose, Greg? And so that was an opportunity for me to really work on that because it didn't come natural. And so God can only provide peace and loss in chaos in hard times. We need to be reminded of that uh, today. Let's go ahead and continue in John chapter 14, 30. Jesus says, I will not talk with you much longer because the ruler of the world is coming. He has no power over me. On the contrary, so that the world may know that I love the father, I do as the father commanded me, get up, let's leave this place. So Jesus, at this case in point, he's saying, I'm about to leave. I've already expressed to you, I give you a peace that the world can't give you. I'm leaving and I'm doing this because I love the father. I wanna be obedient towards that. And then he says, oh, and, and, and mind you, Satan is still gonna be around. He's still gonna be prevalent. He's still gonna be pursuing you. But don't worry though, I, he has no power over me. And so I think it's a reminder for us that, that yes, I mean, the reality is that just as much as God has a plan for each one of us, so does Satan. And his plan is to deviate us from following Christ. And he will do that by hard times and those things and trying to shift our perspective on the purpose of those times. That's exactly what he'll try to sit here and do. When you look at the very beginning, when uh, the serpent and, and, and Satan connected with Adam and Eve, the one thing that they wanted to do and he asked, the first thing he said, he said, did God really say? That's what he told him. And so the reality of it is Satan was hoping and he was betting on the fact that they didn't know God's word. Or if they did know it, they wanted to manipulate it. He said, did, did, did he really say that? Well, no, here's what he really meant. And that's why I cannot express to you enough, we must dive into God's word. We must know God's word. And you might think, well, God's word is for people in seminary and for pastors. No, God's word is for God's people. And so if you have a desire for fulfillment, if you have a desire to go through this life with what only he can provide, you better know it. 
You better know his word. And so no different here. He's saying he has no power over me. Don't worry about those things. I have overcome the world. Peace is a settled assurance in God's sovereignty that results in the decision to praise him. So we have to come to a conclusion that man, God is in control. He is it. And by that, I'm going to choose to worship him. I'm going to choose to praise him. Now, I know you're probably thinking this, okay, only God provides peace, but how do I receive peace? How many of y'all have ever maybe heard a sermon or you've read the Bible and you're like, okay, that sounds good, but tangibly, like what can I start today in doing? How many of y'all have experienced that, right? I have. And, and I love the fact, I love the fact that there's other places in scripture that talk about this. God's word will only point back to itself. It never points outside of it, right? Because if it's the truth and it's the, it's, it's the only thing that we should go to, well, it would never point out to an outside opinion. It would point back within itself. And so I'm gonna read a few scriptures here that discuss peace and just go ahead and remind us of this in other ways. In Galatians 5, it's one of my favorite uh, chapters. It's about the fruits of the spirit. Paul is discussing to the church. And prior to this verse, he discusses all the things that the flesh provides. And he gives a laundry list of all these things that this flesh provides and what the world brings. And then he says, and anything similar. So he covers the gamut on regards to the things that the world brings, which is destruction and death. And then he says this verse here, he goes, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, if I were to grab, um, let's say, I don't know, to build a, uh, to grow an apple tree, would there, any, would there be any chance that an orange would grow on this tree at any case in point? No, correct? We understand that. We, would, we understand that what we put in the ground, if it's a, an apple tree, I'm not gonna get any orange. Well, the reality of it is what Paul is expressing to the people in the church here is he's saying, listen, it's the same thing in regards to God and his way. So you're trying to sit here and experience peace. I've already told you in two areas, one in Galatians and the other book of John, that I don't give you a peace that the world gives you. I provide something different. And so when we try to sit here and find peace outside of Christ, the reason why we end up empty is because we didn't go to the number one source that could only provide it, which he already discussed and he already shared with us that he could. Another verse that I wanna go ahead and read here is Philippians 4. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. We all know verse seven. Most of us have heard verse seven, but when you look at verse number six, these are, this is a conditional statement. There's a contingency on this. So yes, God can provide peace and it will surpass your understanding and all those various things, right? But there's a contingency. I highlight here prayer, petition and present. God knows what you need before we ask. He knows what I need, but he loves it when we ask him like a, like a father. I will tell you this, uh, being a father, there's nothing more gratifying than when my children come to me and ask me for something because they know that they can depend on me. That they know they can depend on me. Our heavenly father is the exact same way. And so he knows what we need before we ask, but he's still asking us to ask because there's a relational aspect and a fellowship that occurs when we sit here and do that. And an acknowledgement that he is Lord and he is in control and I need him in every waking hour. Does that make sense? So prayer, petition and present are really big. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, 
whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. So here's another tangible thing that we can do. We must dwell on these things that God cares about. We must love the things that God loves. We must hate the things that God hates. And we must make sure and, and really seek him and what he desires. So prayer, petition, present, and then dwell. And then in conclusion here in this verse, he says, do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. Another contingent statement, right? He says, the God of peace will be with you, but we must do what we have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me. So what Jesus does is he says, I don't need you to just hear what I'm saying. I need you to be a doer of what I'm saying. In James 1.22, James says, be doers of the word, not hearers of the word. In my opinion, and for myself, this is something I fall victim to. We'll come to church, I'm preaching about it, I'm sharing about it, but the opportunity to actually put these things into play is where I fall short at times, where I default to what I think that I want. But the reality is, this is true. He says, man, the only time that the peace of God is gonna come over, be with you is if you're a doer. And if you, need a, to, if you need a blueprint on how to do that, Philippians chapter two is probably it which Paul just says, adopt the same attitude that of Christ. And then he goes on to describe what Christ did, right? And so we must understand and see that we must be doers of the word. Here's why it's so important. This next slide I'm about to show you is very vital. And we need to make sure that we understand this to a large degree. Rebellion and biblical peace will never coexist. So you can't sit here and have your cake and eat it too. You can't sit here and say, well, I'm gonna do what I wanna do when I wanna do it, but God, will you provide me the peace that only you can give? Well, no, he says, no, you must be a doer. He says, do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. We must be doers of what he has called us to sit here and do. So being rebellious and practicing things that are counter to him, you're not gonna have peace within that. They will never coexist. And so if that is something that you are struggling with, well, God is still in the business of restoration. I, I'm a living testament of that. And, I'm, and on a daily basis as well. I don't know if there's too many people in this church that could drift as far as I did. And the reality of it is, is God was so faithful. Whenever I turned to him and said, man, I, I can't do this on my own anymore. I just can't. And so he was faithful when the rebellion stopped and I just started to seek him. Let's go ahead and read a few stats here. Uh, the, the peace the world gives, here's some three things. It's temporary, it's incomplete, and it's based on circumstances. So the world would say, if you Google, hey, some ways to have peace, most of these things are external things. They work from the outside in. I wanna sit here and fix all these other things then I will feel better about this circumstance or situation, right? Uh, peace that Jesus gives is lasting, it's complete, and it's based on a savior. So it's not based on circumstances, it's based on a savior. And it's complete and it's lasting and it can only be found in the times where the world would sit here and say, there's no way that there could be peace within that. But God says, Jesus told the disciples, he's telling us today, that is the case. Earlier on in this chapter, before this verse is said, we all know, how many of y'all know this verse? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We all know this verse, right? This verse is planted in where Jesus is expressing to the disciples, hey, I'm about to depart. I'm about to leave. I'm gonna go be with the Father. And Thomas says, well, how are we gonna know where you're going and how do we know where the way is? And that's where this verse, verse number six comes into play. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Now, what Jesus is talking about here and he's saying, he's talking about a person. He's not talking about a process. 
He's not talking about an organization. He's not talking about a building. He's talking about a person. He's telling these disciples, I am the way, I'm it. You're looking at him, Jesus, I'm it. There is no other way, it's me. And so if you put your faith in me, then you will have the things that only I can bring, but it's me. And I will tell you this, it's no different than today. You know, we'll sit here and look at the disciples and we'll think to them, well, uh, we might think, well, how in the world could they possibly not gather that he is God and all those various things? And we look at them like, man, y'all are so ridiculous. Well, we struggle with that too, right? We're gonna learn about this today and then something else is gonna occur and we're gonna be like, well, God's not really the answer. He's not it. But the reality is that he is. We must seek him first. Matthew 6, says, seek me first. So we might think, well, well God can do all things. I'll well, tell you this, there's some things he can't do. He can't sin. He can't contradict himself. And another thing he can't do is he can't be second to anything. Matthew 6, says, seek me first. There's an order. And when you look at that order, he has an order to everything that he does. And he always had an order to everything that he does. If you look at the Old Testament where the Israelites were out of order, there was, it, it didn't work, right? And the reason why that's the case is because where there is disorder, there will always be dysfunction. And that goes with you, that goes with me, that goes with our family unit, that goes with you pick a situation. If God is not number one in that situation, I can promise you dysfunction will occur hands down. And we'll end up getting disoriented. We'll end up getting disoriented and think something is true when it's really not. One of my favorite shows um, is, uh, is called Air Disasters. That's what it's called. And it's literally documentaries about various planes that, and that plane crashes. One of the most famous ones was Kobe Bryant's. Kobe Bryant um, was a famous basketball player that played for the Los Angeles Lakers. I think at this case in point is about three years ago. Three years ago, he was in a helicopter accident. Well, this documentary showcased what occurred and actually what went on. And what happened was is uh, the pilot went in, went out, and it was a very, very foggy day. Very, very foggy day. And so what they did is it got lost in the fog. And what ended up happening was, is the pilot got disoriented. He got spatial disorientation is what occurred. And so he thought to himself, I'm just going to go up and get myself out of this situation. But the reality was, is he was actually heading straight down. He was not able to decipher what was up, what was down and all those various things. When they, when they actually uh, studied this and they, and they looked into the actual crash, come to find out his instruments were working the entire time. The instruments were working the entire time. All he had to do was just look straight ahead, look to what was truth. No matter what the external things were going on, if he just focused on that, he'd be in a better situation and he would have actually survived it as opposed to believing what he thought was true. I think that's a great parallel and a great example of what we deal with as well. As, as believers, when we don't put Jesus first, when we don't make him number one, we get dysfunctional and then we get disoriented. And then sometimes we drift so far to we actually end up believing what we think is so true, but we're so far from it, we don't even re realize that it's not. God's word is still true. God's still word is alive. And, it, it, and we must open it and read it and put him first. The last thing I would tell you is this, our hope is in a circumstance uh, it's not in a circumstance or a season. Uh, and before I finish this statement here, there's some preachers and listen to each their own, that's fine. But this new thing now is like your season's coming up. You'll hear that, right? Hey, your season's coming up, man. This next season, man, next season. I'm here to tell you, we don't put our faith in a season or a hopeful opportunity or a time. No, our faith should be and our hope should be in a savior. 
and only he can provide peace. He's the only one. So be very mindful of what you listen to and see. The truth is, no matter what the circumstances may be, you may think you need to fix those. We've already discussed today that only God can provide those things. He's the only person that can. And so we must put our faith in a savior, not culture, not society, not a government, none of those things. Our faith must be in a savior. And I believe no different than he was telling the disciples at this case in point in the book of John is the same for us today, that we have an opportunity to experience something that the world is really, really wanting, but will never ever put themselves in position to have because they exclude Christ as, a, as opposed to include him. I hope this uh, spoke to you today, man. I, I'm just so thankful for this opportunity uh, to, to share what God has placed on my heart and, and, and specifically about peace. Um, because there's been plenty of times in my life where uh, I, I didn't think that peace could possibly uh, be available. But when I just look at God's word and I've come to the conclusion for myself and I would encourage you to do as well, uh, that you, you gotta come to a conclusion that man, God is the way. He is the way. And I will tell you this, I'll just be very transparent with you. I was born and raised in this church from literally like a baby. I mean, like a day old. And for whatever reason, I just checked the box for so long. I just came in, just like you, checked that box, left, did what I want to do. Came back in, checked that box, left, did what I want to do, came back. And I would constantly do that. I would constantly do that. Wednesday night, same thing, Sunday night. It wasn't until I said, you know what, Greg, I can't keep playing this game of going back and forth. I can't keep doing that. You've got to decide, Greg, not your parents, not anybody else, not beyond. You've got to decide. Where's your faith going to lie? Is it going to lie in what, what Dennis and them have so much invested in you and told you? You've got to make that choice. And it was from that time when I made that choice and I gave my life to Christ and got baptized in the same place where these people got baptized today that my life just totally changed. Was it perfect? Not, not by any means, but I've come to the conclusion that his word is true. It's alive and I need it. I've experienced life without it. I've experienced life with it. There's no comparison. There's no comparison. And so I would encourage you to do that today. If you have not made that decision, if you haven't made that decision and said, you know what? I need Jesus. Or Greg, I mean, you talked about peace and, and you're based on what you told me, he's God's the only one that can provide that. I wanna know more about that. I wanna know more about that savior. I wanna know more about that Jesus because if he's real and what you're telling me is true, I've gotta dive all in. We wanna have that conversation with you today. I know Nathan and Dennis, you have plenty of people here that wanna invest it in you. And we have seen change in this church and we would love to do life with you. And I know that they would and they care about you deeply. Uh, let's go ahead and bow in prayer and we'll have Nathan and Dennis come up. Dear gracious heavenly father, God, I thank you so much for today. I just thank you so much for the opportunity to come uh, back to the place that invested so much in me uh, and my family uh, and, and still to this day uh, are praying for us. I'm thankful for the leadership here and Dennis, uh, the many years that he has been here, he has just poured into Watauga, he has poured into his church, he's poured into your kingdom. And the results of that uh, are endless, uh, they're endless. And so God, I just pray, Lord, for the people in this room, Lord, that their hearts will be open, uh, that they be available to you. Uh, all you need is a willing participant. You just need a willing participant. You don't need a person that has all the answers. You don't need a person that has it all figured out. You need a person that knows the entire Bible. You need somebody that's just willing and humble and saying, I'm lost and I've come to the conclusion that only God can save me and he can transform me. God, I pray that you will continue to stir in their hearts as we uh, continue today and the remainder of this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You've been listening to a Sunday morning message from our services here at First Baptist Wataga. Our family's mission is to exalt the Savior, equip the saints, and evangelize the lost. 
you want to know more about First Baptist Watauga or need to reach out to us for prayer, go to fbcwatauga.org and let us know. In all things, to God be the glory, honor, and praise.